3: We're not cooking vegetables the way we used to. Health-wise, depending on how you cook them, you can actually destroy some of the goodness. If you take something and you boil it to death, you are actually reducing the good nutrients. There's an enzyme called morosinase that activates when you open up the cells.
1: Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we'll learn why minerals are so important to your health. We'll find out the best way to eat cruciferous vegetables. We'll discuss safe dating protocols. And lastly, we'll hear how to enjoy dining outdoors in Toronto. But first, a little bit of business. Today's show is brought to you by Omega Alpha. Omega Alpha is 100% Canadian owned and has been GMP certified for manufacturing the pharmaceutical standards since its inception in 1992. It uses only all natural herbs, vitamins and minerals in their formulations. The company is site licensed for manufacturing nutraceuticals by the Natural Health Products Directorate, a division of Health Canada. They have four company divisions, both a consumer line and professional line of human products, equine pet health products, and a custom manufacturing private label division. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious, yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit their website at OmegaAlphaInc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings. Welcome back to the show, Gordon. How are you?
0: Great, Jamie. Thanks for having me again.
1: Today's show is all about minerals, but we were talking off air about your philosophy on health and how we should be taking a holistic approach and not just sort of picking you know, uh, nutraceuticals that suit one particular ailment, but sort of looking at all of them collectively and how they can improve our health, right?
0: Yeah, that is true. Uh, Because this has always boggled my mind in the past. I listen to people talk about treatment of, say, joint problems as an example. I'll use that as my broader example. The first thing they say, glucosamine... Chondroitin, MSM. That's the starting three, and then for the more enlightened one, they'll say we should use some hooves which have anti-inflammatory effects, so that it'll help control the inflammation and the joint, right? Mm-hmm. So you you get faster resolution of the of the ailments, and that's where it stops. Right. Right? Nobody talks about anything past that. And I've always said, you know, everything is connected, right? And we in the alternative health industry always talk about a more holistic approach. Yep. But what I've also realized, we talk about it in an abstract, but we don't talk about it in a concrete fashion. And the reason for that is because when we start using a holistic approach, everything gets more complex and much more complicated. Right. So a systems approach where we just focus on a few items, Makes it sounds like the be all and the end all and we got it covered. But when in reality, it's far from being covered. For example, as I I was saying, glucosamine. People traditionally use glucosamine because glucosamine is one of the key building blocks of cartilage. Yes. However, it's like, the analogy I will use is like building a brick wall, right? I gave you the bricks. Right, which is your glucosamine, but I didn't give you the cement, I didn't give you the sand, I didn't give you the mortar, I didn't give you the gravel, I didn't give you the water. So if I just gave you the bricks, unless you have all of the other stuff kicking around, it is not going to help you. Right. You'll have
1: a very unstable wall that doesn't really help you.
0: That's right. It's there, but it it gets broken down, right? Right. Yep. And the reason I also talk a little bit about the anti-inflammatory herbs, because what people don't realize about inflammation is that even if I'm rebuilding the brick wall, the inflammation component comes in and actually just breaks down the brick wall. So as fast as you're building it up, the inflammation component breaks it down. So you you have to control the inflammation. And usually that's where most people will stop, right? But what I wanted to talk a little bit today was the other components that we should be adding, right? So to give it a true, full, holistic approach to whatever it is that we're looking at. Right.
1: So in, in focusing, let's say, for example, on joint health, so what are some of these other things that we should be looking at?
0: Something simple, minerals. Everybody just talks about minerals and the only mineral they think about is calcium, magnesium, right? Yes. A few people more enlightened will think zinc, right? Uh, usually that's where it stops. But what we don't realize, there's a whole plethora of minerals that we need in order to keep us healthy. And when I say keep us healthy, I'm not meaning that it's like a a food that you need to take to keep you healthy. A lot of these minerals play a role as cofactors in the enzymes that are required to, for example, build cartilage tissue. So you, you need those trace minerals to be in there, okay? The enzyme cofactors. Some of them are actually also needed to be embedded in the tissue so that it gives the strength and resilience so some of them would be like molybdenum like boron right if you're building bone that's what you would need because that will give it resilience and by resilience i'm not talking about breakage but it will allow the bone to bend because if you just put calcium and put a little bit of magnesium in there what it'll do it'll give you strong bones but they're brittle it'll snap Okay, You need that little bit of molybdenum, you need a little bit of boron in there. It gives the bone resilience. That means it can bend without breaking.
1: Which is important as we age because generally you think of your bones becoming more brittle because there's less muscle and other mass to protect it.
0: That's correct. right? So those are some of the things. But in addition to that, those trace minerals are also necessary to make the enzymes work so that you can incorporate all these things into the tissue. Okay. Now there's another component that nobody actually talks about. It's something like your B vitamins. Okay. Now there's a whole bunch of different B vitamins out there. Yep. B one, B two, B three, B five, B six, B twelve, B nine, B twelve, etc. I'm not going to go through and tell you what every little B vitamin does because we don't have enough time for that. But one of the things that we need those B vitamins for is again, those B vitamins are useful in generating, as one example, generating ATP. ATP is the energy that is used to build stuff. It's used for contraction of muscle, right? Now, the reason you need to have that is because if you're building a brick wall, you need a guy to go in there who has the energy to actually build a brick wall.
1: Right. It's going to build itself.
0: Yeah, the cells need that energy to build the brick wall, all right? So if you're going to repair your cartridge, the cells need energy to do all that. Right? If you don't have it coming through, you're going to have issues, right? If you are under normal circumstances, you know, when you're young, you eat a lot more stuff, so you get a lot of B vitamins in there. But, you know, everything works better when you're young. As you get older, things don't work as good. Your absorption deteriorates, the ability to absorb everything drops, the ability to utilize drops. The only thing we can do is to give more of this in a supplement form, so you give the body the raw materials to make new tissue. You know the old adage of you are what you eat? Yes. People don't realize how true that is as you get older. Because whatever you eat gives the body the raw materials to rebuild. For example, collagen. Collagen is the new darling now. Everybody's saying collagen for this, collagen for that. But one of the precursors of collagen is you find a lot of collagen in tendon, right? That's from whole food sources, Right. right? Now that will break down to gelatin. Gelatin then gets broken down further down to collagen peptides. Right. But the body does not absorb collagen as collagen, meaning that if I eat a pound of collagen today, yes. the body's not absorbing it as collagen. The body's, what happens is that collagen is broken down to its basic amino acids, which is proline, hydroxyproline and there's a third one which escapes me right now however it's three of those that that the body basically utilizes okay that is broken down now if your body has a load of proline hydroxyproline and the third um, thing and if you have the right enzymes in place and if you have all the trace minerals then the body goes haywire says hey i have all this stuff right i can go make more new collagen yes and the new collagen that you you make Goes into many different places. One of the places that it goes to is for us with saggy skin as we get older, we get get saggy skin. Yeah. Well, that's because of you're not manufacturing enough collagen. So if you have more raw materials to make collagen, the body's naturally going to make more collagen. So
1: right? we don't lose the ability to manufacture collagen within our body. We're just not necessarily taking in the right nutrients in order to do well, it, Well,
0: right? not, it's not quite as simple as that. Because okay. in all fairness, our ability to manufacture it also slows down. Fair enough. Right? But what we're trying to do is to prime the pump, meaning that if I have more raw materials, the body will say, hey, we have a lot of this stuff. Why don't we do something with it? Right.
1: okay, and you're saying we don 't get enough of collagen, for example, from our diets
0: that 's right because unless you eat a lot of you know tendons and sinews etc you don 't get a lot well, of collagen. you
1: know I, I like my veal shanks, but my yeah. wife doesn 't right and there's there 's all kinds know. of all kinds of connective tissue and mm-hmm. and certain cuts of meat that I think a lot of people pass by because it's you know it takes yeah. longer to cook etc yeah.
0: yeah right, and the rationale for supplements though, as opposed to getting it from food sources is like the old vitamin C adage. If I want a thousand milligrams of vitamin C, I know vitamin C is readily available for oranges. Right. Roughly an orange, I think you can get 60 milligrams, if that much. Okay, and I stress if that much. Now, if you want to get a thousand, that means you have to eat eight, sixteen. You probably have to take about sixteen oranges. I can't remember the last time I sat down and had 16 oranges in one sitting, Yeah, right? Never happened.
1: I'm going to say it never happened.
0: Right? Yeah. So this is why the supplement form is important. And as we get older, first of all, we don't eat as much as we used to when we were young. Yep. We don't eat the same things in the same quantity as we used to when we were young because everything bothers us, right? Yes, you know, so the amount of raws are coming in in lower amounts. So the supplementation is a good way to get the raw materials into your tissue.
1: Well, let me ask you something, Gordon. Like, so there's a point where we're, we're just not functioning as well as we used to when we're younger, right? So either we're not consuming the same foods, and/or our bodies just aren't processing the same way. Are there signs to tell us that, or is there an age cutoff where we should consider supplementation?
0: I would say once you hit forty, start supplementing. Some people start earlier. It's like the old old. You know, prevention is better than cure. Yep. The problem with prevention is that it's a tough sell. People don't, they say, well, you know, I don't get wrinkles. I know everybody gets wrinkles, right? Yep. But you'll see some people, you know, in their 50s, they're not as wrinkly as some other people in their 50s. It's not an all or nothing because there's also the repair portion, which is where you get supplementation. But then there's the other part where you abuse yourself. For example, if you're a smoker. All right, yeah, well, then you better double up on your supplementation because you're abusing your system to start off with
1: right same right? same thing with alcohol, I presume, that's right?
0: right, and if you were one of the sun worshippers where it comes to the skin and you're yep. out on not necessarily a sun worshipper, but let's say you walk out in the garden and that's your job, you're outdoors all the time, yeah, well, that sun watch is great, i mean it it also targets your skin and it wrinkles your skin up a lot when you're a lot younger. So again, you need supplementation, all right? So a guy who is basically indoors all his life etc and he's not out there, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink etc probably does not need to supplement as much as a guy who's out there doing all those things. However, as we get older, we're absorbing less and we're eating less. Right? right? And so, again, these supplements are important. It's a good idea to supplement yourself with a whole bunch of different things. I, I just don't want the idea out there is to say that if I have joint issues, I'm just going to take glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM. right? And that's it, right? Okay, the so whole it's... approach of things we have to do. Even when we look at things like osteoporosis, for example, as we get older, we know the bones get brittle. Yep. Right? The guy who does a lot of weightlifting work in his job or the girl who does that, for example will naturally have stronger bones. And that the reason for that is because during your day-to-day activity, that stress on the bones actually makes your bones toughen up. It makes it harder. But it also stresses the body because they have to replace a, a lot of that bone mineralization. So you need calcium from outside. But people stop at calcium I say, no, you still need the trace minerals. And some of those trace minerals are embedded into the what's called the extracellular matrix to make new bone. All right? right. And... If you don't have some of these other ingredients in there, what happens is that that bone is easily shattered, right, because it's a lot more brittle. Right. Now, fortunately, you don't need a lot of these trace minerals, but you do need them. So there are places, for example, I, I use selenium as an example. There are people who live in an area where the soil is not, is not rich in selenium. So a lot of these people will, will have selenium deficiency. Fortunately, if they eat products coming from outside of that area, they don't experience the selenium deficiencies. But that's the nice thing about people because we eat stuff from all over the world. Right. Chances of you being deficient, clinically deficient, and I use the word clinically deficient, is virtually non-existent. But there's a subclinical science of deficiency, right? Meaning that you're not optimum. So wow. some of these people, if you're not taking enough trace minerals and they don't get embedded into the bone. Your bones are more brittle. Your bones are more brittle, they break easier, all right? So you have all those things that you have to think about. So one of the best ways of preventing this is to get some of this in a supplement form.
1: And and are the supplements easier for our body to absorb? Because I would imagine that's an issue too as we age, right?
0: It is an issue. <laughs> However, I will say this. Think about this. If I was to give you, say, calcium, not from milk, let's say calcium carbonate as an example. We know ca- the, all the studies out there show calcium from calcium carbonate is the worst form of calcium to get because the absorption rate on calcium carbonate is low, etc. Right? right? Yep. But if I was taking it day in, day out, day in, day out, What happens is that even though I'm only absorbing, say, 50% or 25%, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm getting 25% of this on a regular basis every day. Guess what? My body will not have a deficiency in calcium because I'm getting it on a daily basis, even though I'm not absorbing all of it. Right. Right? As opposed to I'm getting calcium once a week because the only calcium I'm getting is from a glass of milk and I'm lactose intolerant so I'm only drinking one glass once a week because I can only take the, the stomach ache once a week. All right. Yeah. See what happens, you're yeah. only getting a little bit, right? Yes you get better absorption, but you're only getting a little little bit is not sufficient. But your body has ways of adapting, don't get me wrong here. So from a clinical level you will probably not see it. But from a subclinical level you will see it.
1: That makes a lot of sense.
0: You know, people have osteoporosis, if you were to measure their calcium levels in their blood, it is normal, always normal, okay? But if you look at the bones, the bones are more brittle, and if you look at the calcium content of the bones, it's also lower, because what's happening is that in order to maintain the calcium level in the blood normally, what it does, it takes the calcium from the bone and put it into the blood and the reason the body needs to do that is because calcium is very important. It maintains the ability for your muscles to contract. You need calcium and that has to come from the blood, right? And so on. So, I mean, I, I just talk about calcium there, but things like sodium potassium, all those type of things are necessary for contracting muscles.
1: And you know what? I want to hear more about this, and I know our listeners do too. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Will you come back next month and tell us more about minerals? or Definitely.
0: Some... Fantastic. I think this has to be a continuing story for a bit. We've got it. So part, <laughs> okay.
1: two, part two of minerals next month. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll hear all about the best way to eat cruciferous vegetables on The Tonic. Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. Are you one of the many Canadians dealing with chronic pain, anxiety, IBS, and other such conditions? Are you interested in finding out more about your options with medical cannabis? Then join one of 22,000 patients nationwide who've let Harvest Medicine be their trusted cannabis healthcare partner and provider. It's never been easier to access Harvest Medicine's healthcare team, education, and resources. Simply download the HMedConnect app from the Android and Apple stores and book your appointment today. To find out more, visit hmed.ca or download the app, that's H-M-E-D Connect, from your app store.
3: You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio.
1: My next guest, Shauna Linzen, is a registered dietitian with over 25 years of experience. She's worked as a clinical dietitian at Sunnybrook Health Science Centre in nephrology and neurosurgery for 12 years. Since leaving the clinical setting, she's been working in the community as a consulting dietitian. She sees private clients at the Davisville Family Practice, WellPoint Health Center, and a Cara MD, a doctor in your pocket. Over the years, she's been a food industry consultant and a media spokesperson for a variety of companies. Since 2013, she has worked as a program developer and nutritional leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network. Welcome back
3: to The Tonic. Thanks for having me, Jamie.
1: I go to restaurants a lot, and I notice trends, you know, where things are going in the city, different recipes and things that are on the menu. And what strikes me the most over the past year or so is how vegetable forward the restaurants are being. And the type of stuff that you're getting is, you know, a whole head of roasted cauliflower with all kinds of Middle Eastern sauces or Brussels sprouts done spicy style with hazelnuts or roasted broccoli. And all of them are cruciferous vegetables, right?
3: Yes. And thumbs up, for the restaurants. (laughs) Yeah,
1: because they're so good for us, right?
3: Exactly. And to be honest, like we're not cooking vegetables the way we used to, right? When our grandmothers cooked them. Well, even our
1: mothers, right? Like, you know, boil them and douse them in butter and you make them soft and serve them beside the brisket, right?
3: Exactly. There's new techniques. Now, the interesting thing is health-wise, depending on how you cook them, you can actually destroy some of the goodness. So let's start off. What am I doing wrong? What are you doing Wrong. If you take something and you boil it to death, right, right? You are actually reducing the good nutrients. So the cancer-fighting nutrients, for instance, are called sulforaphane right. in cruciferous vegetables. But uh,
1: then that's why they smell sulfur.
3: That's why they smell like sulfur. So let's actually first define what is a cruciferous vegetable. Right. So a cruciferous vegetable. I'll give you some examples: are broccoli, the sprouts of broccoli, so broccoli sprouts, kale, bok choy, Brussels sprouts cabbage, cauliflower, that's just to name a few. And they all kind of smell the same. They look the same, that type of thing. So if you said to me, what is the best way to prepare a cruciferous vegetable for the health properties? We're not talking flavor. We're talking health properties. Do you know what the answer to that is? Don't cook them. No. What? Wrong steam. So the reason why you want to lightly cook them is because there's an enzyme called morosinase that activates when you open up the cells. So for instance, if you are doing a crudite platter where you're doing some broccoli, some cauliflower, some Brussels sprouts, let's say raw, what I would suggest is to lightly steam them.
1: To full cook or just lightly
3: steam, and don't laugh, but the science, the yeah. research yeah. says. I know it's funny, but there is research on how much one minute for boiling yeah. and three up to five minutes for steaming. Okay. So, for instance, it doesn't mean that raw broccoli isn't good for you. It's
1: not my thing. I don't. It's be, not your I don't, thing. I don't, I don't, We don't really yeah. have to go there. We
3: don't have to even yeah, go yeah, there. Yeah,
1: it's my show, and I don't care if listeners <laughs> are interested in raw broccoli. I'm not. So let's let's let's, <laughs> let's, let's go
3: to the steam. Let's go. So to steam. in order. Order to increase the um, sulforaphane and yeah. to get the enzyme working, what you have to do is you have to either chop it, yep. chew it, yep. steam it, mm-hmm. lightly cook it. So if you do like raw broccoli, because there are people out there who mm-hmm. do, yeah. what you want to do is before prepping your food, your broccoli, for instance, you chop it up. And let it sit. Right. Let the oxygen react with the enzyme and get it going. But guess what? I have a super cool tip to also increase the sulforaphane absorption in your body from cruciferous vegetables. Do How do you do you, Do I, you know? Do you know? No,
1: you're going to have to sell me.
3: Mustard seed. Oh. Have you heard of that? I
1: have. Well, I know about mustard seed. And actually, when I make Brussels sprouts, yes. we frequently put mustard with the whole seed in it Ooh. when we're sauteing it. So yeah, we, we shred the Brussels sprouts, and usually we've sort of maybe...
3: Crushed the seed almost? Like. Well,
1: no, no. I was going to say we, we usually cook them with shallots, and then we'll add in the mustard as it's cooking.
3: Yes, perfect.
1: And usually with a little bit of vinegar, because a lot of the cruciferous vegetables kind of need a little bit of help. It needs what, a zing. Yeah. So
3: the interesting thing is your mind and your wife's mind as a culinary people go in the direction of mustard. I don't know if you know this, but mustard, the Brussels sprout. And the broccoli is derived from the same plant as mustard seed. I did not know that. So mustard or mustard seed has an enzyme called morosinase, which is the same enzyme that converts the sulforaphane into its active form. Wow. So if you add mustard or mustard seed into an arugula salad, a shaved Brussels sprout salad, a kale salad into the dressing, you are bumping up the absorption of the cancer-fighting chemical. So what do I do in that regard? I develop recipes, and you can check my website out, um, Yep. Yep. and I do cooking demos with these recipes where I try to maximize the amount of mustard with the broccoli. So I actually have this on my website if you want to check it out. I have a soup where I cook the broccoli, and it's vegan, and it's I'm not going to say it's vegan. Well,
1: then forget it. Yeah,
3: we (laughs) talk. (laughs) It's got some coconut milk. It's quite delicious. And then I put mustard seed as a garnish on top. And what I do is I cook the broccoli down, and then I add some raw broccoli at the end. So guess what that's doing? It's increasing. Once you start, if I put an immersion blender into it, I'm releasing more enzyme.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. It's all healthy and delicious.
3: Very delicious, actually.
1: Okay. So what sort of combinations... Of cruciferous vegetables, should we consider to maximize health benefits and deliciousness?
3: So, what you want to do is you want to get a variety of them because they all have different phytochemicals. Okay. You want to add the mustard in. And it's interesting, and I'm so happy that you gave that example with the Brussels sprouts and right. the mustard because that's the direction you want to go. You want to combine yeah, it. I did
1: What I didn't tell you is we also use like. We, we bacon also, fat? Bacon fat. Okay,
3: right. I heard you. I see it in your eyes. Because yeah. that's a classic combination we're talking about classic combinations in food, we're talking about the bitter taste, the salty taste, which is the bacon, the fat, which is the bacon, and the spicy, which is the mustard. So when you do the food combinations, you want to increase the spices as much as you can. So another go-to should be something like turmeric. And when we're also talking about the cruciferous vegetables, the turmeric, black pepper has something called piperine in it that increases the curcumin, which is the active component in the turmeric. Do your Brussels sprouts with some mustard, with, you could throw a little turmeric in and black yeah. pepper and you're flying high.
1: Yeah. The only thing you have to be concerned about with turmeric is it gets everywhere. And it, it gets everywhere. And if you have surfaces that are porous, it will stain it. So.
3: Yes. And where the cancer center I work at, we actually use turmeric every day. So right. what we do is we take a little baking soda or baking powder. We right. wet it and we take just a, a rough cloth right. and usually it will come out. Another good little tip with turmeric is if you get turmeric in your Vitamix and your Vitamix turns golden yellow, you put the dry Vitamix or the Blendtec or whatever your high-powered blender is, you put it out in the sun and that will help get rid of the turmeric. I don't know why. I don't have a scientific reason why. But that's what they say. I haven't tried it yet. But
1: don't put it by the curb because somebody will pick it up and walk away with it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And it costs as much as a vacuum. It does. So you have to be careful. So chain it. Good one, Jamie. Good one. (laughs) Chain it to your
1: stairs to make sure that nobody takes your Vitamix. Okay. What else do you like to combine with cruciferous vegetables when you're cooking?
3: With cruciferous vegetables, the other thing you want to combine is extra virgin olive oil. The reason why you do want to combine that is to increase the nutrient absorption as the food's going down. Right. Your stomach and your intestine. So, oil helps absorb the phytochemicals in any vegetable. So, any phytochemical I'm sure you've heard of lycopene, which is good for your prostate. Yes. Um, so, the sulforaphane is the same type of thing, it's a phytochemical. So, you always want to couple it with a healthy oil. And my oil of choice is EVOO, extra virgin olive oil.
1: That's a good idea. Now, I heard that one of the vegetables that's very important to buy organic is broccoli because it's got such a large surface area that you want to make sure that if there's any chemicals involved, that's sort of one that you have to be careful of because you know the little broccoli nubs and everything just absorb all the chemicals. So you might want to go organic with that particular vegetable.
3: To be w- honest, if you wash it well and you rub it well, yeah. you don't need to.
1: Really? Yes. Okay.
3: You just have to wash it really well. The synthetic or the other chemicals, like yeah. we're talking about the... So organic has Chemicals on it. No, I understand. Yeah. So, if you wash it and you wash it roughly, you're getting most of the things off. So, that is a good point And I'm happy you brought that up because there was an article last week about avocados having listeria on them. Yes. I don't, did you read that article? No. Yeah. So, it scares us. Guess what? Put it underwater, use some friction. You'll be good to go with it, hopefully.
1: <laughs> and, and they used to, I don't know if they still have it, but there used to be uh, like vegetable washes you could buy in the vegetable yes. sauce. Do you advocate for those?
3: Not really. That's actually just citric acid or grapefruit peel. So, what the studies show is if you use hard pressure, so you're actually, your vegetable washer in your sink, do you have one of those that yeah, yeah, sprays? The spray. So, if you take the spray and you use lots of pressure, that's just as good as what they say. If it makes you feel better to use those, go ahead.
1: Well, what is it? Better to eat good than to feel good? I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that's the old Saturday Night Live skin. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks and, for having me again. And, and explaining all about cruciferous vegetables. Will you come again next month?
3: Absolutely.
1: Fantastic. Looking we've, forward to it. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. If you're a regular listener to The Tonic, you know that each year I host a fantastic yoga festival called Om Tio. It's a full day of outdoor yoga, movement, and mindfulness classes in celebration of the summer solstice. Please join presenting sponsors Tonic Magazine and the Lung Association Ontario at the Distillery District on Sunday, June 23rd for a truly magical day. For more information, please visit omto.ca. That's omto.ca.
3: This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
1: My next guest, Carlyle Jansen, is the founder of Good for Her, Toronto's premier sexuality shop and workshop center in Toronto. She's also the producer of the Toronto International Porn Festival and author of two books, including Sex Yourself. You can watch her TEDx Toronto talk and educational videos at dot You can reach out to her at Carlisle at Goodforher dot com. Carlisle wrote a great article in the May issue of Tonic all about dating protocols and considerations. Welcome back to the show.
4: Hello, always a pleasure.
1: Now some people might be considering getting back into the dating scene or even going into it for the first time. Yep. So there's lots to consider. Sure. If you were advising somebody, yeah. where should they start?
4: Well, I think um, I spoke to Luna Matatas, who's yes. a dating which is a great pleasure name. coach. I know, I know, I know. I know. She's I fabulous.
1: Think, I always think of Hakuna Matata, right? I'm oh, sure she gets a lot right.
4: Of it. Oh, right. Oh, I never thought of that. Yes, yes. So Luna Matatas is great. And she said, the first thing to do is think about your goals, which is generally what you think about when you set out to do anything. But right. I think sometimes we forget, like, what, what am I looking for? Am I looking for someone to just explore as a companion? Am I looking for someone who's like an escape from work? Am I curious about conversation? Am I looking for something casual or am I looking for a co-parent? Right. (laughs) Um, Am I looking for affection or am I looking for passion? Also think about what you're not looking for, right? And kids is generally really good. You know, do you have kids? Do you want someone who has kids already? Do you want kids or do you not want any kids in your life?
1: Or grandkids. Or grandkids. Yeah,
4: (laughs) sure. Do you want someone who is interested in only dating one person who's monogamous? Do you want someone who's open to dating lots of different people? So, you know, lots of things to think about in terms of who you are looking for and what, what's your goal.
1: That makes sense. How do you recommend somebody sort of taking that initial step? You've decided that you want to date mm-hmm. or you're getting back into the dating scene. So what next? What do we do next?
4: So Luna suggests that you figure out what do you have to offer, right? It's almost like going for a job interview, right? What are you putting on the table? And if you're not really sure, talk to your friends and say, what do you, what do you think I have to offer, right? Your friends are sometimes Hopefully your Hopefully there's something there. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes our friends are better cheerleaders for ourselves, right? right? So, um, you know, think about what do you have. And then before you meet someone, you want to pump yourself up a little bit, especially if you're shy. You want to practice smiling. You want to relax. You know, if you have to pleasure yourself before going to meet that person so you get rid of some of that tension, that's a good thing to do. Or if you want to meditate or go for a run. So do what you need to do to kind of get relaxed. And then remember when you're together, you're just getting to know each other. Lots of eye contact and remember to breathe. That's pretty simple. (laughs) You want to be yourself, right? You don't want to pretend to be somebody else. Well, it depends who you are. Well, I suppose, yes. Right? Not everybody (laughs) wants... Being
1: yourself doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, I suppose. That's just sort of me being self-deprecating. But yeah, no, I think that's solid advice. Now, we talked last month about online apps and and services. And I think a lot of people who are getting into the scene now or who are getting back into the scene are going to have to confront the reality that they may need to or may want to use that technology. Sure. So how do you present yourself through that technology? I mean, it's one thing just to meet somebody. Yeah. But the technology creates a different layer, right?
4: Yeah. So you want to make sure that you represent yourself accurately, but also, you know, showcase what's really great about you. So again, your friends can help you highlight, you know, or can go over your, your description and make sure you have like a full body image and make sure it's a good image, not just something that, you know, somebody took when you, I don't know, had a rash
2: (laughs) that would be a poor that would be a poor decision or or
4: something right like actually make a conscious choice about a good photo that's taken maybe within the last six months you don't want to sort of advertise yourself as as three years ago right and make sure that you know you can see your face that you're not hiding it with sunglasses or your hair or a big hat or a big coat and you know if you want to show that you know you like to swim or do whatever and have activity photos that's great but not your profile photo they're main one should be just sort of full profile of you just, you know, kind of hanging out.
1: Do Luna recommend getting like a professional headshot?
4: She didn't mention anything about that. I don't think you want to be too polished, right? I'm not sure you want to do the one that you also use for your um, professional profile on LinkedIn. Or for the
1: talk show or (laughs) something. Yeah, I know. That's probably Um, not cool. You know, you
4: want to be casual, but not too casual. So somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm of the view that there's no objective truth, that -hmm. that we all sort of have our own perspective and our own subjectivity. And there's nothing wrong with emphasizing the positive as long as you're grounded in reality. Sure. And I think the friend's job is to keep you grounded, right?
4: Yes. And I think it's important to know what you're good at and know what your growing edges are. And nobody wants someone who's arrogant saying like, I'm so fabulous this, I'm so fabulous that. And nobody wants someone who's like, oh, I'm so this, I'm so terrible at that. And I'm not good at this. And nobody likes, Because of that, right? Right. You know, neither of those are attractive. You want to be someone who knows what they're good at but isn't sort of conceited and also who knows what they're working on. I think that's interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So now we're at the stage where perhaps we've identified somebody and made plans to connect. And then we have to plan the date itself. Yeah. Right? So yeah. so what goes into that? What should we be doing?
4: So as I mentioned last time that we, you should, you know, have a phone conversation, meet first for a quick drink. You don't want to meet for a meal because then if 15 minutes in, you're pretty sure this isn't going anywhere. You're stuck. You, You're kind of stuck, right? So, you know, quick first date and then let your partner know you're interested. And I would, I would do something that is a mutual interest for your second date. Go for a walk if you like hiking, go to a museum or an art gallery, take in an interesting film, go to a festival, like something where you have something to talk about.
1: But a film, though, you're kind of sitting in silence. I know, right? it's or, you're, or, or you're bugging but everybody it, it, that's there.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but it, like something interesting. I, right. You know, the, when I went on a first date once to see Jurassic Park, I had no idea what it was. And I thought, oh, it's nice, but it's about dinosaurs. You know, I do terrible and scary movies. And the person actually told me afterwards that I had bitten their hand. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, <laughs> I've got, I've got one better for you. I once took a date to see About Last Night, okay. which is the most cynical movie about oh, dating wow. that yeah. you could possibly oh, go to. Oh, my goodness. It was all about one-night stands and
4: oh, broken relationships. Yeah, and was yeah, yeah. like, oh, yeah. my God, yeah. what have yeah. I done? Yeah. So you want to have something that you're going to be able to talk about and learn about them. Sure. Rather than you both talking about your separate lives, it's nice to create a shared experience. And when you're talking about yourself, don't go into the nitty-gritty of this, that, and the other thing, and especially around work especially if people really don't know what your field is about. You know you're going to lose them. They're going to think that's really boring. And of course, as always, don't just talk about yourself, right? Right. Ask the person questions, get to show that you're interested in them and that you want to get to know them.
1: Yeah, my best first date, and it's the best one because it ended up me being with my wife, as yeah. we actually went to the racetrack.
4: Oh, interesting!
1: Which was fun because yeah. we started betting as a team, right. right? Oh, good! Any sort of team building activity, right, right is a yes. good thing.
4: Well, and what? How does that person react when they lose? Right? How right. do they react when they win? How do they react when they listen to your advice and it didn't work out? Right? right. These are really important bits of information, and the more you can get that out on a date, the better.
1: Right. So, what should you be talking about on a date? What's verboten and, and what's cool to yeah. talk about? So,
4: don't focus on past relationships. And yeah. certainly, it doesn't look good on you if all your past exes were horrible people right. and didn't treat you nicely, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So, it doesn't make you look any better. And talk about things that you are interested in. Talk about politics uh, if that's of interest to you. If politics isn't of interest to you, don't do that. You know, talk about what you like to do. What What are your? You know, when you think about what your dating goals are, focus on those kinds of things. If if you want to have kids talk about kids and what that means to you really
1: uh, early on
4: if it's really important to you, yeah, because you want to weed out. If you really want to have kids and you want to find out, like if this person's not interested in kids, there's no real point in getting really involved and really liking them a lot. Yeah, I suppose. If that's not going to go anywhere, unless you're also looking to have friends, right, right, or aunts and uncles. But I think it's a good idea to put it out there early on, especially if that's a really big thing for you that you know you're looking for kids. But I also think that there's you don't want to give everything away at once, also, right? Right? Like you want to save a. Little a little bit. You want to keep the person interested. You want to keep some mystery. You don't want to sort of put everything out on the table right off the bat.
1: It seems like it's the most challenging job interview that you could (laughs) possibly imagine because you have to be buoyant and exuberant and happy and pleasant. And at the same time, you're imparting information and gleaning information. That's a tough gig.
4: It is tough. And so I think sometimes, though, when we feel like uh, when we feel pressure, you know, I have to find somebody by the end of the year. I have to find somebody right now that then you're not going to be yourself. You're not going to be natural. You know, put so much pressure onto it. You're probably going to turn the other person off. So you have to feel confident in yourself. You know what? My life is good. I'm making my life the best it's going to be. And, you know, if I find somebody that enhances my life, but I don't need them to complete my life. I don't need to find somebody else to have a good life because then you're just desperate and you're going to turn everybody off.
1: I don't know if there's an answer to this, and I'd be interested to hear what what you think about this. There's so much technology out there and we're all in our little hives and our little bubbles that I would think that. Face-to-face interaction becomes even more challenging.
4: It does for a lot of people. Some people don't know how to talk to each other. They don't know how to know how to have a phone conversation. And oh, please, when you're out on a date, like turn your phone off. Can you not do that for 15 minutes or an hour? Right? It's really annoying. You know, if you have kids and it's an emergency or whatever, like have a special ring so that that only is the only time that you would answer your phone in an emergency. Otherwise, like keep your phone down. Talk to the person in front of you. Don't you know? Sort of have listen to them and then have an email chat later or a Snapchat, you know, trying to talk about what you were talking about during the date.
1: That date is your moment. Yeah, absolutely. Make the
4: most of it. Yeah.
1: It's not an Instagram thing. It's not a social media thing. Yeah, It's a real interaction with a real person and it it should be kept that way.
4: Unless you don't want to have a relationship like that.
1: True. Fair enough. (laughs) All right. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for coming in.
4: Oh, it's always a pleasure.
1: We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighbourhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit TonicToronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic talk show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This
3: is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
1: Vita Marinuzzi was born and raised in Toronto's East End and came up in the restaurant industry the old-fashioned way, through nepotism. His cousin, restaurateur Gino Rana hired him as a 15-year-old dishwasher and busser, and later gave him a shot as a waiter. Vito's job was as much to fight the prevailing whitewashed version of Italian food in Toronto as it was to get people to try the good stuff. And of course he did. Now, as co-owner with his famous mom of two locations of seven numbers on the Danforth and Eglinton West, Vito knows the food his kitchens prepare not only preserve that culinary heritage, but innovate within it. Welcome back to the show, sir. Good morning. Thank you. So, nice weather in Toronto is finally here. Uh, sure. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, you know, for me, the city really comes alive, you know, during the warm weather.
2: Oh, it's dormant for so long that when you get those three months, it's, you really feel it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think a great way to enjoy the great city that we live in is to go out and have a good time in it, whether you're going for dinner or drinks or both. And summer is just a fantastic time to experience the city. And what I really like about... You know, Toronto restaurants is they get to spread their wings. You know, like figuratively, but also literally, right? You know, yep, restaurants yep. that have maybe twenty seats all of a sudden maybe double
2: their size because many, they, because, yep. because they have patios, right? And we have a strong patio culture, and it's been great. And the city does spread its wings. We get a short window; it comes alive. Everybody opens their patios. Menu items come out, and then boom! Oh, you see them like they're on the sidewalks.
1: Right, I mean, there's even festivals that celebrate it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I like I know there's some restaurants that we go to on Dundas West, for example. And if you if you're there during their festival, the entire street shuts down, and you've got the same the thing. Same down thing on, for
2: Taste of Danforth. We Danforth. Yeah, yeah. we're 120 seats outside. We have chairs and tables on the on the sidewalk, and, and it's all getting used. Like people want that. Right. someday the city might loosen the laws on patios and cut the red tape and let us all do it, but... Yeah, I think you're dreaming we're there. We're close. You're dreaming there. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: something as simple as experiencing a neighborhood through a cultural festival can be an amazing way to sample foods and really get out in the city. Yeah, and
2: now we have, like, uh, it's got to be three big ones that I can think of, and there's probably more like 10 that I've, you know, like yeah, yeah. a ton we've never been
1: to. Right, and, and, and farther reaches of the city that yeah. maybe, maybe you don't get to. It's funny, you know, growing up in the city... You know, I I was a North York boy. Rarely got to Scarborough and <laughs> but now you know there's reasons to go out there. I mean, there, there are, yeah. were, but but one the, of
2: the biggest, well, the third largest, is in in Scarborough. What's I that? believe on Eglinton, it's I don't remember what culture it's like, Middle Eastern maybe something yeah. on Eglinton. I forget what it's called, um, but it's massive, and they do it across a big strip of Eglinton.
1: Okay, so if you can't get to a cultural festival, you can still enjoy patios for sure. So let's let's chat about a few patios that are our favorites. Maybe they've been around for a while, but you know there's good reason. To I don't think to go you there. can have
2: any conversation without starting it by saying that I miss the Hyatt. Patio on the roof. Yeah. And it's going to be gone for a number of years and it's going to be back. And I imagine when it's back, it's going to be as good or better than ever. Right. But that was always like a staple for us. It's where you went on your dates. That's where you went. And you could you used to be able to smoke cigars up there.
1: Right. There used to be a restaurant not too far from there called de Fair Mosca. And I don't know if it yeah. exists anymore, but they had this gorgeous patio. It's an old house, I think. Yeah. It was yes. an old house on Prince Arthur, I think. That's right. Yeah. Like the restaurant was nothing to look at, but you walked in the back and they had these amazing old trees and you were like dining. In a forest, in the middle of the city, it was incredible.
2: Yeah, it's like an old school Italian red tablecloth style. Yeah, restaurant. yep. I think it's still there. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah. good. Comes to my, for me, College Street is where we do it the most. Okay, it's got some really good patios. Well, let's hear about them. Um, you've got Bar Bar Raval opens up. Raval is the beginning. Yeah, I would say like Raval, and then you've got. The Walton has this amazing little cute patio in the back. I've not been there. Yeah, it's just like a charming little spot. They serve drinks and snacks. But this patio is just stunning in the back. It's like a backyard. Yep. And it's small and it's intimate. And it's, you can see through the windows into the restaurant. So it works perfectly. And then as you go down, there's a huge um, Spanish restaurant way on the other uh, reaches of college. Okay. Um, Bayrada Churrascaria. Okay. I think that's what it's called. Oh, uh, You're giving me new new stuff here. Oh, okay. no, it's been there for longer than you and I've been alive, I'm sure. Okay. But the back is alive and it's kitschy and it's full of patio chairs and used furniture. And, you know, they serve whole fish and they serve trascarilla. Right. It's unbelievable. And it's probably a hundred seats, maybe more. Wow. But it just got life in it.
1: I've got one. It's a patio, but it's a full year patio because it's both indoors and outdoors and they heat it through the winter and that's big crow. Oh Uh, yeah. Which is on DuPont, right? So like you are literally, you're eating food that's cooked uh, over wood or a barbecue. So already you feel like you're outdoors and you know, their desserts are kitschy like s'mores and things like that. So it's a real sort of campfire vibe and you're sitting on tables that look like picnic tables and it's, Kind of outdoors, right? Like it's it's it open. Is, yeah, it's just got a
2: shelter over it.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. But it's heated through the winter, so that's another good one, and it really opens up in summer.
2: I like people watching, so I mean, yeah, I love go? Kensington. Yeah, and then for me, Kensington the beginning is always El Rey. They've got a great little patio right on right. the street, and the people watching is fantastic. Right, a lot of tequila there, right? Mescal. Mezcal, okay. Which, uh, not a huge fan, but a lot of tequila as well. Yeah. Um, but then you just, you can, I mean, there's a great neighborhood to go crawling through patios. Right. Let's talk about crawls, right? Because sometimes,
1: you know, you go to a restaurant and, you know, it's fun, but maybe you, only, you want to move around. And during the summer, it's a real opportunity to sort of try out things here and there. And kind of cobble together an entire evening by maybe going to three or four places.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a few good
1: neighborhoods for that. So where would other than Kensington? Where would you where would you recommend? I mean, the that?
2: obvious is Yorkville. Yeah. Um, there's even though it's cliche, it's got tons of great patios. Yeah. You know, the rooftop at Nervosa is charming and it overlooks the street and it's full of pillows. Like it's very comfortable. Right. And then from there, you have um, Barrenia has a back patio. That's same thing. It's. Between two buildings, it's a, it's a wood floor and it's decorated just so it feels like you're in and out. And it's super super comfortable,
1: right? With the lights and
2: everything. Yeah, like. it's just charming, right. you know. And you could tell that someone built it wasn't built by a, a designer and a, it's it's not a keg patio where it's all perfect,
1: right? I mean, Yorkville used to be, before all the condos went up. I mean, I, everybody went down there and kind of yep. wa- walk the loop between Yorkville and the the other street was a thing the, the, to do. Yeah, exactly. You walk around in circles like. Good Turks. That's a, yeah. that's a reference to uh, Midnight Express. But anyways, <laughs> uh, where else would I you mean, go? I mean, close to
2: us, we have um, Leslieville. Sure. Which the Broadview Hotel is kind of, I think you know, reinvigorated a little right. bit. They've got a beautiful rooftop patio. overlooking. Do they? You can see the whole city from there. Fantastic. Uh, and so I mean, you stand there and have one drink, and you're looking across the whole city right to the lake. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to last with yeah. that view.
1: A lot, of, a lot of building going on there. But
2: fantastic. Yeah. And then from there, you can start crawling along Leslieville. I mean, we go to Tabouli. They've yeah. got a great patio down there. Um, and then the French baguette person... Oh, um, uh, they've got a little side patio where we brunch. Yeah, yeah.
1: right, right before the uh, train tracks. Train tracks. Yeah,
2: and then beyond. Bonjour, that, Bonjour Brioche Bonjour, Brioche. They still, you know, great bureau sitting on the street. Yeah. Like it's perfect for people watching.
1: And the nice thing about Leslieville, it's kind of like a straight line. Everything, everything's on Queen Street. Yeah, so just keep walking. Just keep walking. You'll yep. hit something. I kind of like uh, up Dundas West, you know, around Ossington and mm-hmm. Lansdowne. There's a lot of restaurants there, not, not necessarily patios per se, although, for example, if you really wanted to eat outside, Enateca Social opens up. Yeah, they've up, got
2: an obvious side patio.
1: Uh, another corner location yeah, yeah. Uh, where they kind of double their size during the summer. Most
2: of the places there have those charming back patios. Yeah. And that part of the city still allows that.
1: Right. Uh, so it's great. Right, and then they, there's your neighborhood up in Eglinton, too. There's some restaurants up there. We've
2: got there. a few, but they're like we have tiny little ones on the sidewalk. No one I can think of has a back patio. No, but you
1: could do a crawl up on Eglinton West if you, you want could to. Definitely do you a crawl. Could start with your restaurants, yes. and the numbers. We good? Yeah,
2: and then and then make your way across to the the Abbotts. I think has a front patio. Ferraro's got a front patio. Right, and I think there's a few more on their way this year. Right, so it's good. We went to um, Cherry Street Barbecue. I haven't been there. Down by the old, I call, it, I still call it the old Knob Hill Farms, but now it's a TNT. Right. Um, it used to be the Cherry Street Diner, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Cherry Street Barbecue has an outdoor smoker, a huge side padder. They must have 80 seats outside and 15 or 20 in. Wow. And it's an old building. I mean, it's not accessible by subway. It's car only, but it's awesome. Uh, you're down in this uh, rustic. The boats are there. You can see the water. Yeah, the smoker smoking. Waterfront's uh, nice. Lots and of
1: live music. And when it's hot out, if you're by the lake, it's going to regulate the temperature. Yeah, you get a nice it. breeze. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: we that was a great patio, and like very much discover. We discovered it. Like, oh wow, that's here.
1: Right. So like we've been talking a lot about drinks, but there's other ways to sort of enjoy being outside in Toronto, and and you know we have a bunch of artisanal ice cream joints. Uh, that have popped up in and around the city and you know even doing a crawl in the sense that like searching for the best ice cream or the best gelato in the city you You'd know have you, a
2: great time searching for the best ice cream right now
1: yeah exactly I think
2: there's two to three in every neighborhood it, right and, it's and, pretty it would be pretty fun
1: right I mean you know some favorites if you don't mind standing in line for 20 minutes bang bang which opened up a few years ago yep. is still going strong and they have all kinds of interesting stuff there although the Millennials are all taking pictures of their concoctions and it takes longer to, to get your plan Old ice cream cone, I do recommend it because it's
2: well great. worth it. You're absolutely right. And there's that place off of Bathurst. Uh, is it Vaughn? Oh, uh, um, up at the Rushton, the gelato place. No, uh, no, it's like a bang bang. It's um, oh, uh, on Vaughn Avenue. I know, yeah, Booyah, Booyah.
1: Yeah. Booyah is excellent.
2: Yeah. We went in there. It was fun. The kids had a blast. And
1: a few doors down is Dutch Dreams, uh, which is the old old classic where they put chocolates in your ice cream and you can have big, lots of whipped cream and fruit.
2: We still go there a few times this summer. Yeah. If you've
1: got kids, that's a good Mm -hmm. one. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So we got time for one last question and that is like, what is your go-to patio right now? Oof.
2: My go-to patio right now...
1: Is it old school? Is it Allen's near your your Danforth location?
2: We do do burgers at Allen's at least once a month. Uh, It's perfect. We can walk there. The back patio is so well planted old trees and they've got a barbecue out there and the tables are all wood it's, it's really perfect and it, it's Riverdale in one place like right. all of Riverdale is there in one place
1: I'm going to go with two and they're across the street from each other Fat Pasha opens up something in the summer as well they they open up and then across the street Chadwick's has a nice little patio too if you just want to grab a beer and have We've a sandwich for lunch I haven't been yet no it's great anyways thank you for coming in we're going to talk more next month yes yep. fantastic Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomaradio.ca and thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us on Facebook at The Tonic Talk Show. That's all one word, The Tonic Talk Show. Or Jamie Busson on Instagram. For great articles written by Carlisle Jansen, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss natural anti-aging for your skin, the treatment of shoulder tendinitis, how to ground yourself with gardening, and more issues on urban housing. Until then, this is Jamie Boston wishing you a healthy and happy week.
3: Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air